Balancing data and reason, mafikna mamona apumega. The more we rely on data for decision making, the more our decision making becomes accurate but not intelligent. Uh, we think that the data-based decision making is intelligent. It isn't intelligent. Data can't be intelligent. It can be accurate, and accuracy doesn't always align with intelligence. And we'll uh, we'll understand that a little bit better. It, it's like the The, the cashier at a supermarket that once told me the toothpaste I'd bought would cost me $345. And when I said that was unlikely, she showed me that that's what it said on the, on the register. It said $345, so it must be there. And I couldn't get her to understand that is it possible that there's a mistake because it's not likely that a tube of toothpaste costs $345. Uh, and in the old days when, when you used to use a slide rule to make calculations you had to have an intuitive sense of what the answer is likely to be because a slide rule has got no decimal points but now you don't you press some buttons if you press the wrong button the calculator gives you the wrong answer and you don't have the capacity to even sense intuitively that the answer might be wrong because we've disintermediated intelligence and intuition from decision making uh, and that can have very serious uh, that can have very serious outcomes there have been Um, airline crashes where the, the reason has been put down to the fact that the, the pilot didn't rely on, on his intuition. There's the other way around as well. There have been crashes where he did rely on his intuition and didn't rely on the, on the instruments. Uh, and, and, and there's a need to understand how data and, and intelligence, which includes intuition, work together and how we're meant to work together with it. And that's the subject of today's matmonim. The psukim that we need to know are the psukim of the uh, parasha of Chalitze in parasha's Kitetze, where the word Be Yisrael appears twice, from which the Gemara learns on Daf Kufala Fomad Beis, and our Daf, that uh, Rabbi Shmuel Bar Yudah learned Be Yisrael, Bevet Din Shil Yisrael, Velo Bevet Din Shil Geirim. Although a Geir is a Jewish person in every way, but there are certain things where, where he's, there, there are restrictions, and one of them is a Beit Din of, of a Chalitze, Other cases of Beitin as well, but certainly for a Beitin of Chalitza, you need a Beitin for Chalitza, as this whole Sugya deals with. You need three Dayanim. Those Dayanim have to be born Jewish. Uh, they can't be people who've been converted. We learn that from the Posuk of Be Yisrael. The other Posuk we need is in Pasha Shoftim, the Deen of Al Pishneidim or Al Pishloshaidim Yakum Davar, that a judge has to make decisions based on the evidence of two witnesses. That's data, basically. Uh, and the, the, the postdoc tells us that the, the, the judge has to make the decision on the basis of data. What happens if intuitively he believes the ADM are lying? That's what we've got to look at. That's what we've got to deal with. Does that play a part at all? Or, or does he, do you just follow the data and say, I'm sorry, the cash register says $345. The ADM say he did it. Well, that, that's, that's what it is. How do we relate to that? The piece of Gomorrah that we, that we learn is a case of Rav Ashi, Ikla Lebei Rav Kahana. Rav Ashi came by the home of Rav Kahana, and Rav Kahana said, come and join us and add to the number of Dayonim. We're about to do a chalitza. Come and join us and, and make it up to five people. Although we only need three people, the Gemara says they sometimes used five. So as to make it more public that there's a chalitza, they want people to know that the woman has had chalitza, and therefore she's available for remarriage. So the more Dayanim there are, the more people are talking about it, and they talk about it. The, the network is wider, and the... Um, And, and, and so it's encouraged. 
Rav Kahana, have a Kamina Kamei to Rav Yehuda. Rav Kahana says, I was standing before Rav Yehuda and he said to me, Tasak Lezirza, Dekani, bring this mat of, of, of reeds, Litz Turufa Bechamisha, to join up to the five. They said, why five? So that it becomes well known that this woman is now a chalutza. Rav Shmuel bar Yehuda have a kai kamei de Rav Yehuda. Rav Shmuel bar Yehuda was standing in front of Rav Yehuda, who said to him also, bring this mat and come and come and join us as one of the five. In order to make it, make it well known. Omale, so he, Rav Shmuel by Yehuda says to him, Tanina be Yisrael, bevetin Yisrael, velo bevetin shulgerim. We've learned here on our Omud that you need Yisrael, you need people who are born Jews for this, uh, for this based in, you can't have gerim. Va'ana ger ana, and I am a ger. So I'm not, I'm possible, I cannot be on the, on the, on the based in. Omar Rav Yehuda, Rav Yehuda said, Kegon Rav Shmuel bar Yehuda, mafikna mamoyna apumeh. I don't care that you're a ger. I would take money out if you were the only witness I had. I would, I would use you to make a decision in a monetary matter. So your, your, your trustworthiness and integrity is beyond question, he says about Rav Shmuel Bar Yehuda. Are you serious? Is he saying that if Rav, if, if Rav Shmuel Bar Yehuda gave evidence, he would use that single evidence, not, although they're not two witnesses, to obligate somebody to pay money? We saw in the Posuk, it says you need two witnesses. The Torah doesn't say, unless they're very honest, then you can do it with one. The Torah doesn't say that. No, the Gemur doesn't mean he would take money out, that if this man comes and says Reuven is Chayev, is obligated to Shimon, that he would make Reuven pay. It just means if Reuven brings a document showing that Shimon owes him money, and Ravi Shmuel by Yehuda would say, I don't believe that document's authentic, says, the, says Rav Yehuda, I wouldn't use the document. If a person of this stature questioned the document, I wouldn't use it. I would just, I would leave it. The Rambam Paskins in, in Hilchus Sanhedrin Perich of Dalet Halacha Aleph, an amazing psach. Listen to the, what the Rambam says. Yesh le dayan ladun bedine mamonot al pi hadvarim shedaatonotelahen. A judge should use his common sense when he's making decisions. Shehenemet, if he thinks that something's true, he should go that way. Vahadavar chazak belibor. If the matter is strong in his heart, that he hasn't calculated, he hasn't worked it out, he doesn't have evidence, he doesn't have data. He has a strong intuitive feeling. Even though there's no clear proof, all he's got is, my, my heart tells me that this person is telling a lie or that this person is telling the truth. And clearly if he had knowledge that it is so, but he doesn't have witnesses. He has his own knowledge of what the facts are, but the witnesses are saying something else. He should judge according to what he knows, says the Rambam. Your own intuition and, and intelligence comes before the data. Kate suddenly goes into a whole thing. Asks the Rambam at the end of the paragraph, So why does the Torah say you need to aid him? Why doesn't the Torah just say let the judge make a decision according to his intuitive understanding. 
שבזמן שיבואו לפני הדיין שני עדים ידון על פי עדותן, אף על פי שאינו יודע אם באמת העידו או בשקר. If two witnesses come and he's not sure. He doesn't have a strong sense they're telling a lie, but nor does he have a strong sense that they're telling the truth. He doesn't know. You follow the witnesses. That's what the Torah means. The Torah says, in the absence of strong, intuitive intelligence on the part of the Dayan, you use Adim. It's an amazing Hiddush in the Rambam. The Rambam is not saying the Chathila, the right way to make a halakhic decision, is on the basis of data. The right way to make a halakhic decision is on the basis of intuition and intelligence. If they're witnesses, you've got to take the witnesses unless you know for sure that they're not, they're not telling the truth, says the Rambam. Asks the Nesivas. The Nesivas is a very important parish on, on Christian Mishpat. So at the same time, this is at the beginning of the 19th century, end of the 18th century, the Nesivas, also known as the Rav Milisa, he was the, the Rav of Lisa. He was a Rav all his life. He had a difficult life. Uh, he was divorced, married and divorced three times. He had a difficult Rabonis. He had a very difficult life. But he wrote this amazing work on the... Um, on the Choshen Mishpat, at the same time that the Ktsesa Choshen wrote his work, and the Ktsesa Choshen most of you have heard of, and the Ktsesa Choshen is brilliant, and the basic of, of halachic reasoning in matters of Choshen Mishpat till today, and it's learned in yeshivas, it's the foundation of, of our method of learning, is, is, is Ktsesa Choshen. Um, and the Nesivas attacks the Choshen Mishpat on, the, the on a number of issues. The Ktsesa Choshen writes, Meshiv, uh, Nesivas, he writes a whole sefer, Answering the Nesivas, and then the Nesivas writes another sefer, uh, answering the answers of the of the Tzeisachoshin, and so it goes on. Um, so what's important is not so much that the, the Tzeisachoshin wrote and the Nesivas had questions and he answered the questions. It's two worldviews. It's two different ways of looking at halacha. The Tzeisachoshin was a, a Rosh Hashiva. He was a, he was a, a Talmud Chochim. He was the the, the scholar par excellence in, in Torah. He was just an unbelievable Talmud Chochim. The Nesivas was a Rov. He dealt with the practicality of people's issues. And that's the difference. As you, as you learn the Sivas and, and Choshen Mishpat, and they go hand in hand when you're learning Choshen Mishpat. And as you learn the Sivas and, and, and Choshen Mishpat, you see that difference. And it's important to understand that difference. So then the Sivas asks on the Rambam from our Gemara, what does our Gemara say? that I, I would rely on Rav Shmuel Bar Yehuda. Says the Gemara, how can you rely on Rav Shmuel Bar Yehuda no matter how honest he is? You need to aid him. Says the Gemara, are you sure? I, but I'm not. I'm not saying that without two adim, I would. I would use this one person as as evidence. I'm just saying if he, if he questioned a star, I wouldn't act on the star. I wouldn't execute on the star. That's all I'm saying. So you see from the Gemara that you cannot rely on the integrity of one person. You've got to have two adim. You've got to have the data. Answers the Nesivas. Dafke umdena shehi umdelech dechol haolam. When the Rambam says that you can go by, by the way the, the judge sees it, uh, and, and as, as we always do, although these are halachot of, of, of the judge, of a dayan, a bezdin, we, we learn matters of judgment in leadership from these things as well. Uh, and we'll see how far that can go. But the principles here is, when can you use your own intuitive estimation in a matter where it's obvious to everybody, not just to you? It's not you against the whole world. It's, it's you and the whole world against the data. That's different. Things that everybody would know, if they knew the facts, everybody would agree. That's where the Dayan can use his own, his own rationale. 
Because if something is known, it's not edut. So what the Nesivas is asking, if, if a Dayan sees something happening, he sees Reuven lend money to Shimon. Now they go to court. Reuven wants the money back from Shimon. They go to Beisdin. The Dayan, that same guy who saw the, the transaction, is on the Beisdin and he says, I don't need witnesses. I saw it. I was the witness. We say, Ain't I said, Dayan, no, sorry, you can't be a witness and a judge. You need other, if you're going to be the judge, you need other witnesses. If you're the witness, find other judges. But you can't be the same. That's the basis of, of the Nesivas' question. So how much more sure could a judge be than if he saw it with his own eyes? And we're still saying, but the Torah says you need two witnesses. Your own eyes aren't good enough, says the, says the Nesivas. But in the Rambam, that's in situations where it isn't clear to the whole world. Yes, I saw it. That's not good enough. But the whole world knows if you have two witnesses who come and say it's, it's nighttime right now. And the Tainan says, but it isn't. It's daytime. And everybody knows it. No, the two witnesses, we're prepared to swear on the Torah that it's nighttime now. The Tainan's not going to accept that. You don't accept data against the obvious. That's what the Rambam means, says the Nesivas. And, and I found there's a similar us that we had back on Daf Peches not so long ago. Where Tosfos says, "The Gabi Davar Hanir Evi Adua Lakol Lo Haya Omer Rav Aval B'Shnei Edim Lo Teitzer." An old question of a woman who gets married on the basis of two witnesses, and then the man appears, and and the Gemara discusses back there two witnesses. That's a great case of of data and common sense conflicting. There are two witnesses, so the data says he's dead, and the man standing there and says, "I'm alive." The data and the Edim say, "But we were present when you were killed." He says, "But I'm here." What are the Dayanim supposed to be? Certainly not go by the data. They go by their eyes. Says the, says Tosis, because it's Hanir because everybody stands there can see can see that. So this idea of the Nasivis and Simon Tetvav, we already find in, in Tosis much earlier in, in our Masechta. But the Rambam adds in the next halacha. That's, that's the principle. The principle is that if you have, if, if you have a strong intuitive sense of something and, and then you can, you can hold by that even if you don't have data to prove it, that's when you used to have real dayanim and real betedin. And nowadays, even if you have dayanim, this is the Rambam's time, even if you have Dayanim who have integrity, but they're not Talmud Chachomim. In the Rambam's time, really, you don't, you don't, we don't have that level of Talmud Chachom. We don't have anymore. They don't have true judgment. That you won't act unless there is, there is absolute proof. You won't just go by your own, by your own common sense. Um, however, in the second last line of the Rambam, in the middle of the second page of sources, But, and this is something the Bateidin here in Israel use currently, if the Dayan senses that there's only one aid, you can't pass in a law by one aid, but you've only got one, one witness. The judge goes on and on and on until he can get the, uh, the litigants to agree that this one witness is actually telling the truth. 
So although you can't just say, well, we've got one witness, so I'm making a decision. No, you can't make a decision. But if your intuition is that this one witness is telling the truth, well, you don't have witnesses at all and you believe the two witnesses are lying. You go on and on, you cross-examine and you question and you take your time and, and you wear them down in the hope that ultimately the litigants will come to agreement and, and, and there'll be an understanding. Because as a judge, you know that if you just make the decision on the basis of the evidence, your decision will be wrong. That's what, that's what Libi O'Malley, that's what my heart is telling me. So again, you can't just make the decision. You can't override the halakha, of course. But you can work with the halakha to try and, and, and catch the person out. And they're like the Dayanim on the Bataydin here where they have these things every day. We'll give lovely stories of the kind of questions they use to catch the witness out. Uh, and why do they go on? And sometimes hours of cross-examination over a few hundred shekels because they believe the witness is not telling the truth or one of the litigants is not telling the truth. And they'll work and work and work until it emerges that in fact that the person isn't telling the truth. That halacha is paskin in Shulchan and Simon Tesvav. The, um, the Hagos Mamonius adds that you have to be very careful. And nowadays, if somebody comes and says, even Rabbi Yossi Ben Chalafta, who knew the halacha better than anybody in the world, and two people came and said, we want you to judge us, but 100% according to Choshen Mishpah. We don't want your own thinking here. 100% according to Choshen Mishpah. Rabbi Yossi Ben Chalafta said, any Sorry, I'm not qualified. I don't know Choshen Mishpah well enough. I don't know the laws of the Torah well enough to say that my judgment is going to be 100% al Torah. If you're willing to allow me to use my rationale, my common sense, and, and my understanding of things, and to come to a decision which I believe is right, I'll make a decision for you. Uh, but if you want me to be 100% al Dine Torah, that doesn't work. And again, the Bate Din today do exactly that. They make it very clear that they're making judgments to the best of their ability, but there's no guarantee that what they're saying is 100% according to the Torah, because we don't have people of that level of of competence. But what, what does emerge from here is there's, there's data and there's intuition and intuitive knowledge. And when an, a person's in a position of responsibility, we spoke about that two days ago, not only is there siyata dishmaya, but one's intuition is heightened. If you're the CEO of a company or you're leading a team or you're flying a plane or driving a car, your, your senses are heightened. You're the best person to make quick decisions. Because everything's aligned to making the right decision. It doesn't mean it'll always be the right decision. But there, but there is a place for, for that. In, in, and what's important is that we don't discard intuition and intelligence when we're making decisions. Yes, there's data. What do you do if the data is against your intelligence? There was a, a, examples of that in, in, at 9-11 when they were told, the people in the building were told, don't try and go downstairs. That caused their death of hundreds and hundreds of people. It's not the, and, and people felt, the people who were saved just felt, it's idiotic. You run for your life downstairs, at least there's a chance that you might get out. Now, they didn't want there to be a rush on the, on, the, on the stairway, so they gave an instruction, stay where you are. Stay where you are and die. And people with intuition disobeyed. And the, uh, the same in the airplanes at 9-11, some really interesting studies. The, the data says, and people always used to be told, if somebody tries to hijack the plane, stay in your seat, keep out of it, keep quiet. And look how many people died as a result of that. The one plane where people took it into their own hands and said, no, that's wrong. Let's get up and, and, and take control. We're able to save hundreds and hundreds of people. Some, sometimes we've got to be careful that the bureaucracies and the, and the data doesn't make us crazily unintelligent. And we've got to be able to align them. We've got to be able to say, 
in the event that the data and my intelligence aren't aligned, I need to work on it. I need to understand the data better. I need to think the thing through more carefully. We've got to feel a discomfort in making a decision which is only data-based and doesn't contain subjective human intelligence as well. When the two are aligned, when the data says this and I feel it's right, then we're safe. That's, that's the best that we can possibly be. When the data doesn't say that, as we see in the Torah, certainly in matters of Chosh and Mishpat, you can't overrule the data, but you can work with the data and work with it and work with it until you find the truth and you achieve alignment with what the data tells you and with what you feel as an intelligent human being who's in a position of competence. <laughs>